You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I recap and analyze the sixth episode of Chuck, Chuck versus the Sandworm. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at GoChuckPodcast and email us at GoChuckYourselfPodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, you don't need a supercomputer in your head to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. You just need one in your hand. And look at that, you got one right there. So go ahead and hit those buttons and enjoy the show. Also, uh, I'm going to deviate from the script here for a moment. Aaron and I will talk about this in a minute, but this episode is the first that we've done over video chat, not unlike Beckman talking to Chuck and the gang. So you might hear some weird audio things going on in addition to the intentionally weird audio things that are our voices and personalities. We did do our uh, best to minimize these hiccups, but I apologize if this episode doesn't sound as crisp as previous episodes. We are working to get higher quality audio and appreciate your understanding during this time. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. Here we go. Chuck Yourself, the only podcast dedicated to reviewing and analyzing Chuck. That's, uh, I don't think that's true. Well, currently, I think the only one, I was going to say the only podcast dedicated to reviewing and analyzing Chuck 11 years after its its premiere. That is our market. It is our market. And uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Erin Arada. And uh, things are... It's been a while for us. Um, if you are a, a loyal listener, it has been perhaps a week tops for you, unless you're binge listening, which I sincerely <laughs> doubt. But if you are, perhaps it was only a few minutes. For us, it's been about a month, almost yeah. like yeah. a month and a half yeah. since we recorded. It's been a little while. Um, and boy, things are different now. Things are so different. Why don't, why don't you tell them how they're different, Chris? So in the, the month and a half since we've last recorded, Aaron has moved across the country to Los, uh, Los Angeles, California. Pronounce it correctly. That, that's correct. And I, uh, I am still in New York. So we are doing a, uh, a bi-coastal celebration of Chuck right now. As Chuck intended. As Chuck intended, we do a bi-coastal celebration. What does he say in the in the second episode? We're a Pacific family. What do you remember? What he says? Do you know what I'm talking about? You mean in the fifth episode when he says the transatlantic family, but he really means the Pacific Ocean? Yes, that is what that is exactly what I meant. Thank you for being the Chuck expert here. So we're on two different sides of the nation right now, and incidentally, I think. Uh, it really says something about the New York public transit system that it's easier to get a hold of you now when you're across the continental United States than when it was that you were in Queens and I was in Brooklyn. So that's a, a silver lining. That is absolutely true. I think um, it took me half the plane trip from Boston to LA um, one time getting from your apartment to my apartment. So we don't know necessarily what this is going to sound like. For you listening at home, uh, we apologize if it sounds a little uh, raw. We are testing out this new video conferencing thing, so uh, we'll hope you bear with us, and we we, uh, we hope that it sounds good and that you enjoy listening. Um, we are going to be talking about the sixth episode of Chuck, 
entitled Chuck versus the Sandworm. And we're going to be doing that in just a little bit. But before we do that, I think we got to dive right in. I think there's a question that's on everyone's minds. Everyone listening at home wants to know, Aaron, do you think you made the right choice in moving to California? A mosquito just literally just landed on me and tried to bite me, so absolutely fucking not. What the hell? I don't know where it went. Um, I would have said yes like two seconds ago, but maybe not. I don't know. If you hear some loud clapping, that's not me applauding. That's me trying to kill a bug. In all honesty, I am here. Um, my ultimate goal in moving to Los Angeles was to be on location for our Chuck podcast. I wanted to really get in the mindset of Chuck and Sarah and all our friends. Um, thus far, I think I have. I, uh, I got a computer downloaded into my brain that just kind of like I stepped off the plane and they were like, oh, here's your intersect. I was like, great. Um, I see celebrities all the time. Celebrities like uh, a praying mantis that was in my bed and also Tyler, the creator. But like, which one uh, is the true star? Who knows? Who can say? Did you just say that Tyler, the creator was in your bed? No, Tyler, the creator was not in my bed. Because you went like, I, I saw the praying mantis in my bed and also Tyler, the creator. Yeah, uh, as... As us copy editors would say, that was a uh, grammatical faux pas that I would correct if I saw it in someone else's book. But in my speech, guess not. So tell us more about the praying mantis that was in your bed, Aaron. Praying mantis, not Tyler the Creator, but the praying mantis. I was lying in bed one night. I was reading about serial murders that had occurred um, in the past, as one does before going to bed. And I heard a mysterious clicking right next to my ear. Um, I was understandably terrified. I thought it was the ghost of Jean Benet Ramsey, and I left. I ran out of my room as fast as I could. I did not take my glasses, which were still on my bed. I did not turn on the lights. So I was standing in the hallway, peering into my room, unable to turn on the lights, just shining my phone light. And I could see something crawling up my wall, but I could not tell what it was. And my glasses were directly under it, so there was no way of knowing without going closer. Um, eventually after Googling types of bugs and what scorpions look like and all things to that effect, I came back into my room. I discovered it was a praying mantis. And then I was really excited. I was like, I've never seen one of these up close. So then we were friends and I let it stay. Was it cool? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Was it big? It was huge. It was probably like, uh, I, like half the size of my hand. It was very long and it, it flew. I didn't know they flew, but it, it kind of did like like a chicken, like it kind of did like little hops. I don't know if maybe it was hurt and that's why it couldn't fly very well or if they just don't fly very well, but it kind of like, it was gliding. You sound like you've handled this extraordinarily well. I don't think most people, myself included, would have handled having a praying mantis in their room as smoothly as it sounds like you did. So I caught it in a cup and I brought it out to my steps and apparently it really didn't want to leave because the following night it was still there hanging outside our door being like, please, please let me back in. So I have a friend now. That's my first LA friend. Is a praying mantis. Yes, much like Sarah and Chuck and their uh, unusual, um, them being a very unique couple, me and this praying mantis are a, a different kind of couple, as Sarah would say. That was a natural segue right there. <laughs> I think I got it. That was the mosquito. Carry on. Anyhow, this episode 
aside from being the first that we've done in a while, first that we're doing by Coastal, uh, is also the first episode that we have put out since our show has been released on, on the internet. This is the first time that we are recording since becoming uh, what I would call minor internet celebrities. How is celebrity life treating you? Um, well, because I'm in LA, um, I am just one of many celebrities that are here. So mm-hmm. it helps me um, not, not get a big head because I see like just all the stars all the time. But the bad thing about being here and being a celebrity is that now those like little vans with the open tops that like the TMZ vans that they bring people on tours, now they stop at my house. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit difficult when I'm trying to record a podcast and people are just kind of showing up, trying to hang out with my praying mantis friends. But you know, um, so far so good. I'm enjoying the celebrity life. I have a nice pair of sunglasses, so now I have an excuse to wear them. Great. I'm happy for you. No one has recognized me so far, but I'm sure that will change. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. I, uh, this episode will be our Halloween episode, so this will be released towards the end of October. So by the time that this episode is released, I'm sure that I will have developed some kind of a cult following. Or, on the other hand, it's been decided by listeners that I am the least favorite of the hosts of this show. So I could be the most hated person on this program at this point. Who knows? Who knows? You're only in second place. I think on that note, I think it may be time for us to start talking about the aforementioned sandworm. We're going to start doing the worm, guys. We're going to start doing the worm. Woo! That was the wave. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) But we're going to take a quick break to adjust our audio settings, and we will be right back with more Go Chuck Yourself, Episode 6. Go Chuck Yourself, episode six, after one of our signature non-commercial commercial breaks. It's like we have commercials without all the fun of commercials. <laughs> Just the time to solemnly reflect on what you're doing with your life, and the choices that you've made that have brought you to this point. That is the gift we give to you. So as I mentioned in the previous act, that's showbiz lingo for previous part of the show inside scoop you won't get that in los angeles that's new york talk right here (laughs) don't know what that meant at all so we're gonna be talking about episode six chuck versus the sandworm so yeah let's uh dive right into it or should i say let's dig into it like a worm and like a secret bunker sound of us going down into a bunker no i guess maybe this would be more of like the sound of us going into a bunker would be more like Are you digging the bunker? I just meant going down into it. Well, I want to show you what it would look like if we went into a bunker. So I'm going to do that right now. Just give me like 10 minutes. (laughs) I'm just going to allow this to keep happening. All right, are we in the bunker? I'm all the way down here. Down in the bunker. So we're uh, we're in a bunker, and much like we're in a bunker. much like us being in a bunker, we start the episode with a man. He's running up a big staircase, and he gets to the top of it. There's an agent there who tries to stop him. 
the running guy meets up the agent, takes his badge, goes up some more stairs, and suddenly he's outside. He seems to have escaped a bunker. So unlike us, he has escaped his bunker. We're still down here. Similar to you, he appears to be in California. That's true. I thought he was in a bunker in like Russia or the Middle East, but this whole time. He was right by the beach. Looked kind of like a desert at first, but then I saw water. So somewhere in California. Everything in this show takes place in California until the later season when they go to Russia. But we're not there yet. So hold your horses. Um, the guy, he's free. He starts walking away. We cut to Chuck, who's in the Bymore. No one is being helped because there's some kind of event occurring in the break room. Morgan is blindfolded and he is taking old things out of the refrigerator, which they keep referring to as a crisper, but we know we all know what it is. And he's he's eating the weird stuff. Um, Anna has a good line where she says, Morgan is so awesome, he can eat anything. So I like that a lot. But I was going to ask you, did people, did people like do this at your school in high school? Uh, no. Okay. Because they used to do, it used to be like a thing where you would like give this kid Mike a dollar and he would like mix weird condiments with like gross food and then eat it. I, I mean, like, I don't, we may have done that in middle school. I don't think anyone was paid to do it. We had a very, um, a, a strict economy at my high school. We all had some money but only specifically for this kid, Mike, to eat weird stuff. You think Mike's listening right now? I hope not, but, you know, he could be. Hi, Mike. Mike and I were friends. We, uh, we, had, we used to hang out on the, the ski lift at the local uh, ski lodge. We would, we would ride that, um, and he would spit at people. Hey, Mike, if you're listening, uh, I'm sure this is blowing your mind right now that you're being discussed on Go Chuck Yourself. And also, uh, sounds like you were kind of troubled as a youth, so I hope things really... He'll be fine. I'm sure you're probably like a finance dude now and probably make more money than Aaron and I combined. Anyhow, (laughs) so we're at the Buy More, and we're eating gross stuff out of the refrigerator. A note on the the Buy More, it's decorated. At first, I didn't immediately recognize that it was Halloween decorations. (laughs) All of the decorations are skulls or skeletons and are all kind of loosely (laughs) pirate-themed. So I didn't know if it was Halloween or if it was like Pirate Day at Bymore. Yeah. They must have not had any budget left for the Bymore decorations. So like, oh, we got to get Halloween decorations for Bymore too. And they just threw some pirate stuff in the background. Anyhow, so it's Pirate Day at Bymore. Pirate Day at Bymore, my favorite day of the week. Big Mike calls Chuck into his office. Harry, um, as Chuck is passing him, says, Daddy mad, Chuck. Daddy mad. Which is very uncomfortable. I hated that. That's okay. Um, we get one of the uh, major plot points of this episode from Big Mike, where we find out that a um, HR person from the Buy More Corporate is coming, and whoever he likes between Chuck and Harry will get the assistant manager job. So Chuck starts to feel some of that pressure, even though like we don't really, we're still not really clear on if he really wants to do it, but he's starting to feel some pressure, particularly as it relates to Morgan, because Big Mike says that Morgan is an anchor around Chuck's neck. Maybe I'm reading into this a little bit. Did he mean albatross, do you think? Because isn't that the expression? Like, he's the albatross well, around I mean, your I neck? I think anchor works, too. Like, if you had an anchor around your neck, you would you would sink. But, yeah. I mean, albatross is the expression. 
Yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking about Chuck being in water with the anchor around his neck. I thought it was more of like a on land thing. If you had an anchor around your neck, it would still be weighing you down. I know you love your uh, rhyme of the ancient mariner references, but guilty as charged. <laughs> um, so as, as Chris said, um, there are some crazy Halloween decorations being set up at Chuck and Ellie's home. Ellie is decorating for her annual Halloween party, which we find out that she has every year. And she introduces the idea of the sandworm, which is a costume that Chuck and Morgan have been doing together um, for some unspecified but long amount of time. It's a character, I guess is the right word, from Dune. It's the sandworm, you know, the sandworm. Oh, the sandworm. Morgan is supposed to be working a double shift at the Bymore, and apparently Chuck is Morgan's keeper because Big Mike has Chuck and says, go find Morgan. Um, Morgan is at an arcade on the Santa Monica Pier, which is super cool, and I'm going to have to go there now that it's not super far from me. Um, Morgan is playing Guitar Hero, but in the Chuck universe, it's called Guitar Shredder. I've been to the Santa Monica Pier. Ooh. Have you not been to the Santa Monica Pier? Um, I don't I don't think so. I think I, wow. I went to a pier in California, but I there was definitely not an arcade there. Sounds like you're a real shooby. <laughs> yep. Aaron Shuby Arata. That's me. I don't remember really anything from Santa Monica Pier. I think I may have gotten a soda there or a, a like a, a beer, like a single beer. I don't know. Did you play Guitar Shredder? Not at that time. However, one of the fun things that has developed since our last recording has been that I have purchased Rock Band 4 for the PlayStation 4. That's right. I didn't feel comfortable enough to do that until I was like, okay, Aaron's gone. I can finally <laughs> double down on my love for rhythm games. Do you still have DJ uh, Hero? I do. It's not with me, but it's somewhere. But one of the exciting things about Rock Band 4, there's many exciting things about Rock Band 4. However, one of the the hooks for me that made me decide to purchase it was that one of the songs is, guess what one of the songs is? Is it Short Skirt Long Jacket? Yes, it is. Ah, That's amazing! It is amazing. Oh my god, I'm very sad that I cannot play that now. I rock out to that occasionally. I'm also pretty good at, you know, rock band, so. Anyhow, Morgan is at the pier playing Guitar Shredder, and then this other man appears next to him. All of a sudden, jumps in. I don't think he puts a coin into the system. No, Morgan says that he's he's been playing against a guy. They've been playing together for a long time. Oh, he did? Yeah, he said they have a bet that's like he's he's got $10 riding on it against this guy. Oh, I didn't think that was the guy. Oh. You're probably right, though. Why would Morgan have a, <laughs> a fictional character that's never seen that he's playing Guitar Hero against? I really thought it was, I mean, I understand how narrative construction works, but I really thought it was going to be like a child. But it's not. It's the guy from the beginning who I'm going to start calling Laszlo because that is his name. Laszlo. Chuck flashes on Laszlo, and because Chuck doesn't really know how to react to his flashes in a subtle way yet, he just immediately blurts out to Morgan, this guy is dangerous. Um, and I was wondering, do you, do you think it's realistic that Chuck is, like, so bad at this still? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I, I was torn on it because it, it's a little bit, I mean, it gets the plot moving really quickly, so I guess that's a good thing, and I guess, you know... Having my experience where I now have a computer in my brain, it gets hard sometimes. I hope he gets used to it at some point and isn't just an idiot the whole time. Yeah, I was more struck by, because I didn't know what Laszlo was up to, but I was like, I at least know that he's on the run to some extent. So I was like, okay, you're on the run. And the first thing you do is go to a very public place, perhaps one of the 
the most famous sightseeing places in uh, your your home city of Los Angeles, California. But uh, that comes back later. So I'm a chump and I should just see myself out. So um, because Chuck is dumb and announces to the world that Laszlo is dangerous, Laszlo puts together that Chuck is um, somehow involved with the government. He sees Chuck's watch, which I believe Sarah gave him, and uh, Laszlo had designed that, so he guesses that Chuck is a spy, and he's really afraid that other agents are there coming after him, so he jets on out of there. And here I want to pause to um, talk about... Morgan is wearing the worst hat I have ever seen in my entire life. It's awful. It's like a, I don't know, like an army kind of hat, I guess. But it's it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Coincidentally, I owned that hat in my youth. So I went down a little, uh, took a little trip down memory lane of all the awful hats that I've owned. I have had many a bucket hat. Um, one of my, one of my great, purchases on one of my first trips to the city when I was 16 years old. I bought a pink plaid fedora that I used to wear. I had a pink plaid bikini, so I would wear the fedora with the bikini when I was going to the beach. That was great. I also, at one of my cousin's uh, first communion parties, had a furry pink hat, um, much like one that Big Mike is wearing later in the episode. That was fun. I used to wear it to dances and stuff. So there you go. I was a very cool uh, Preteen. Man, I, I'm sure you really stood out. I'm sure not a lot of girls were doing the matching fedora bikini look. I don't know. You'd be surprised. Massachusetts was a weird place. So we have a kind of awkward, kind of really cute moment between Chuck and Sarah where she is waiting for him in his bedroom and they have a little talk about Laszlo and then Sarah's about to leave like pretty quickly and he asks her to stay because Ellie and Devin think that he must be doing the deed in there. I was I was wondering, did you did you like this moment? Do you think it's like did you think it was really cute or did you think it was weird? I'd say like ninety-eight percent kind of weird. Yeah. I think I was taken by how like weirdly into the idea that Chuck's like, well, we have to we have to pretend that we're doing stuff because that's what that's what Devin and Ellie think is going on. Um, which they didn't have to. Like she could have just walked out and they'd be like, Oh, she I guess that's not what they were doing, and it would have been fine. But also, it would have been weird if she was there and then immediately left. I think, like, to keep their cover. Oh, yeah. I guess so. But, I mean, it didn't have to be that they were having sex. But, you know, whatever. But the other things that stood out to me that... Okay, so first of all, Sarah brings this photoshopped image. Oh, I will talk about the photoshopped image. Okay, fine. So I'll leave that alone. The second thing, which I would like to talk about is that when Sarah says, how long do I have to stay here? 32 minutes, 15 seconds. Right, he says that because that's the length of Arcade Fire's first album. Now, this album is entitled Funeral, so already it's off to a a real sexy start. And uh, I've listened to Funeral. It's not my favorite Arcade Fire album, but I've listened to it enough to know that it's probably not the most romantic album to be listening to. Are you familiar with Funeral at all? I am not. Okay, so there's... A lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of allusions to neighborhoods, which, I don't know, that doesn't really get me hot and bothered. Um, There's a song called uh, Seven, uh, I should have looked into this beforehand, something about kettles. There's something about the lights going out. Um, It's a very drawn out album. And then the, there is a climax to it. So I can understand maybe like Chuck's work in the long con, but the climax is wake up and that's 
really towards the end of the album. So like the, anyhow, there's also a song called Rebellion Parentheses Lies, which the chorus is just like, lies, lies. I know that one. Yeah. And then I talk, so I'm sitting here trying to be like, what? They're going to listen to Funeral? And then Chuck puts on music. It's on Arcade Fire. Oh, well, Chuck, you really did us dirty on that one. He said he's going to put on Arcade Fire, and then he put on what I'm assuming is like stock music, like knockoff Arcade Fire, and it sounded nothing like Arcade Fire. Well, here you have it. Chris is our resident Arcade Fire expert, so he picked up on that. So Sarah gives Chuck a picture um, that's like a photoshopped image of them together at Comic-Con. And it's meant to kind of be like a nice thing and also to sell them as a couple that they have this like picture of this thing that they've done together. It's a really cute picture and Chuck really likes it. And the line we've been alluding to is that Chuck says they look like a real couple and Sarah says we are a real couple. We're just a different sort of couple. So that's all well and good. But I have some questions for you, Sarah. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what the lay of the land was here in California in the year 2007. Maybe things were a little bit different. But it's a pretty big deal to be going to Comic-Con. It would be something that uh, would have come up because tickets are pretty expensive. You have to travel to San Diego. Presumably they were going to the San Diego one. Um, I don't know when exactly this is in the Chuck timeline, but I'm thinking maybe it's been a month since he's gotten the Intersect, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But Comic-Con is held every year in July. So if it's Halloween, the math does not add up. Second of all, if, like, even if you disregard all of that, there is no way based on what we have been led to believe that if Chuck had gone to Comic-Con, Morgan would not know about it. Like, you can say, Devin and Ellie, fine, they don't really know all of this, but Morgan would definitely know that it was a lie. So, Sarah should have done her research, and that is what I have to say about that. That was a masterful takedown of the Comic-Con photo. That was so much more detailed than what I was going to say. I was just going to say, like, where'd they get the photos to crop uh, Sarah and Chuck's faces onto? Because it's clearly their bodies. So what did, how did they put them in those the clothes? Like, did they do a photo shoot? Was Chuck thinking like, why am I wearing this Han Solo outfit in like some kind of studio? And then they went and used the green screen. And, CIA. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It's a good thing that we couldn't do like a magic school bus like journey into the episode of Chuck. We really would have been a, a couple of uh, boner killers right there. <laughs> this photo is inaccurate. You know that. If you had to get tickets for the San Diego Comic-Con, you'd have to do that and you'd have to have blah, blah, blah. Arcade Fire's <laughs> Funeral is not really an ideal album for a romantic evening. I don't think anything in the Arcade Fire canon or collection of albums would really be suitable for this kind of thing. We are so fun. We're so fun. We're so lighthearted and easygoing when it comes to Chuck. You know who else is really fun and really, really cool? Casey. Well, Casey is in the next scene. He's not who I was going to say. Something that he says that isn't cool is I don't like feeling like the team's little fat kid, which was very harsh. I thought that was hysterical. Glad you liked it. But what I was going to say is uh, Morgan is a very cool character because he's hanging out with some teens at the Bymore. He's got a video camera 
that is apparently hooked up to all of the TVs in the Bymore. I don't know how this is happening, but he's using his camera uh, along with his teens to uh, film a woman who is bending over and her underwear is visible. Um, he's, he's giving a little kind of nature documentary uh, narration. Chuck sees what's happening, as does everyone in the store, because it is being broadcast to the TVs, and he confronts Morgan about it, and Morgan says, what happened, Chuck? You used to be cool. So this is some, you know, toxic masculinity bullshit. What do you have to say about it, Chris? I thought it was disgusting. Yeah, I did like, like, Chuck calls Morgan out on it, and I, right. I liked that. Um, he says a thing like, maybe he was cool when he was 13, but now they're adults which like, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily call out any of the, like, blatant sexism going on, but I guess, like, a little bit Morgan gets called out here. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely, he holds him accountable, and it definitely kind of doesn't create a rift in the friendship, but there's definitely tension there. Yeah. I was appalled by that. Yeah. But I, I support Chuck and yelling at Morgan. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck, the uh, the feminist member of this show, I guess. Next, we have My Shining Beacon of Hope Beckman comes back. Oh uh, uh, yes. She gives us some intel on Laszlo. Um, we get we get some details from her. He apparently graduated college at fourteen, and he's been with the CIA ever since. He allegedly, according to Beckman, killed his handlers and escaped. Meanwhile, we have um, someone who we learn pretty quickly to be Laszlo jumps out at Chuck. He's wearing a clown mask and he's holding a gun. He insists that he was framed by the CIA. They have a um, kind of like funny kind of wimpy guy fight where they're just kind of like wrestling very lightly with each other over the gun which i thought was a pretty bold move on chuck's part because he just kind of goes for it and tries to get it away like i thought that was cool Um, Mm. but we find out that it is a water gun when it starts dripping on chuck's face this is where we start getting parallels between chuck and laszlo in that they're both kind of like their assets in that they're smart and they're a little bit like brunette white men who are like a little bit wimpy and they're like doing their thing and they're like involved in they're smart but they're like involved in the cia and we get some parallels we see how chuck can kind of relate to this guy Right. They're also, Laszlo does not know this, but they're, both of them are also working for the government against their will. Yes, that's true. He, Laszlo thinks that Chuck is just a normal spy. Yes. He doesn't realize that Chuck is the intersect. Yes. And I don't think he ever does, which I thought that maybe they would go into, but they, uh, they don't really. He, he asks him about it and then Chuck says he's a computer guy and then they kind of leave it at that. Yeah, which is surprising because Laszlo wouldn't shut up about all the other stuff that he invented throughout the entire rest of the episode. Yep. Like, really? You invented all of this? All of it. Yeah, he invented everything we own. He tells Chuck, um, they go to a diner together or something, and he tells Chuck that he was in an underground lab for 10 years, so that's the bunker we saw. That's how I open up all of my first dates. I always tell people that I've been in an underground bunker for 10 years. That's odd. That sets the bar pretty low, so that's actually a good method. It's pretty interesting, too. I think I think it might work. It's a move. Um, Laszlo, all he did while he was in the bunker was work, invent everything that anyone owns, and play video games. He says he has no friends, um, or he had no friends while he was there. And one of the things that Chuck finds most appalling is that Laszlo has never seen a Bond movie. Um, He got recruited, we find out, at the Santa Monica Pier um, when he was 11 because he was playing Tetris, which I don't know, like, what he was doing playing Tetris, but pretty cool. Um, he's very kind of manic and seems interested in Chuck and what he does. Um, 
a theme that I found interesting and that I think Chuck kind of related to was when Laszlo says um, he refers to himself as the property of the U.S. government. Yeah, there's uh, Chuck definitely feels some kind of empathy for Laszlo as someone who, because I think Chuck feels like he, his life is getting taken advantage of a little bit by the government, or it's at least being dominated by the government. So he, uh, I think he doesn't necessarily immediately share with Laszlo's uh, anti-government stance, but he definitely knows and feels for him because Chuck is an empathetic guy. So meanwhile, we have Morgan having kind of like a quarter life crisis over Chuck having called him immature. Um, he goes to Chuck's apartment and Devin decides to help him out. He takes Morgan into the bedroom and gives him the talk, which I am, of course, referring to the talk about tucking or untucking your shirt. Have you ever seen uh, the commercials for the, the untuck it? Uh, I've not seen the commercials, but I've seen the subway ads. Um, my one regret about leaving New York is that I left behind the brick and mortar Untucket store because I will never be able to go into an Untucket store here in LA. So that is something that you have. Hey, can, Aaron, can I, can I pull you aside for a second? Can I, can I talk to you over here? All right. Yeah. Real quick. Hey, um, so the thing about the, the Untucket store is that any store that sells clothing can be the Untucket store if you do not tuck in the shirt that you purchase from that store. And I know Untucket doesn't want you to know that. And I'm probably like, shouldn't be saying this right now anyways. I'm probably going like, to get assassinated you know, by the Untuckets. I might get, I might get taken out by big Untucket. So if that happens, just know that you can wear any shirt you want untucked. Thank you for telling me. This is very important. You're welcome. The truth must be known. <laughs> You heard it here first, everyone. I uh, I really enjoyed this scene, and I laughed really hard because uh, Awesome has a line where he says, you know, I wasn't always a tucker, and then it just kind of happened, and I was like, god damn, that is how it happens, because <laughs> I, like, more often than not, like, have been tucking in my shirts, especially if I go to work. Like, the past few years, like, I'll try to tuck in my shirt, and... That wasn't really, a, like, it just kind of, I woke up one morning and I was like, I think it would look nicer if I tucked in my shirt. And I did, and I was like, yeah, that looks nice. Wow. But when I was younger, I was like, oh, only nerds tuck in their shirts. It looks dorky and lame. But no, I think it looks nice and respectful and professional. Wow. So I used to be a Morgan, and now I'm an awesome. Wow, that's great. I'm happy for you. Thanks. I hope you'll be an awesome someday, too. I hope so, too. Not today, though. Um, we have another line from Morgan where he's being exceptionally creepy, and he admits to Awesome that when he was 12, he hid under Ellie's bed to see her undress. So I was like, no, 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 she hates him. I'm, I'm happy we're starting to see some of that background, but I also hate it. Chuck and Laszlo, still hanging out. Laszlo says there's no such thing as good guys where handlers are concerned, and he encourages Chuck to go home and check his room for bugs. Not playing mantises. Not playing mantises or mosquitoes. Chuck goes home. He finds a bug in the picture that Sarah gave him, and he's like, oh my god, I'm so betrayed. He also finds bugs in other places. I didn't really think this is that crazy. I mean, like, his handlers are trying to keep him safe. Like, I kind of get he feels violated, but, like, why would he have thought that his house wouldn't be bugged? I think it's partially that, but then I also think he just feels betrayed because I think he feels like Sarah gave him the photo as a gesture of, like, just it being a nice thing and kind of like, oh, well, it helps our cover-up, but also here's a nice photo of us being a couple. So I think he was hurt when he realized that it had an ulterior motive yeah. for that. Um, he doesn't confront Sarah about this, but he goes to confront Casey. 
Um, Casey reveals that he has been listening in, and it's been really annoying. He talks about Chuck having a conversation with Morgan about sandwiches. Um, Casey is kind of mad about, like, uh, Chuck, you know, finding the bugs and stuff. And Chuck says, I'm sorry, Casey, did I violate your trust? Which, again, I sort of get this, but Chuck is really bad at being a spy or being involved with the government. And I personally would be happy if my government was trying to keep me safe. Was that you'd be happy if the government was, like, spying on you? Like, Big Brother, you'd feel good about that? Listen, Chris, if the government was trying to do anything to protect my safety as a woman, that would be great. Laszlo shows up in Chuck's bedroom and asks Chuck to hide him. He's all freaked out. So Chuck agrees to hide him in the Bymore, which is apparently, in addition to all its other uses that we've seen it have, it is now a hotel. Because how does Chuck get in there so easily every night? Why is there no security at the Buy More? Is the door open all the time? Uh, maybe Laszlo invented the doors. Maybe that's a scene that we didn't see. Oh yeah, probably. I invented the doors. <laughs> he, um, you think he looked like Kirk Cameron, Laszlo? Uh, I guess. It's not Kirk Cameron as far as I know, but I just kept thinking it was Kirk Cameron. It's not. It's a different guy who is in um, Young and Hungry or some freeform show. Young and Hungry is about, like, it's a, a pair of lawyers, right? It's, there's um, uh, Mr. Hungry and then Mrs. Young, and they are, like, kind of a, a sexy lawyer duo. Yeah. practice, they share an office space, and it's like, will they, won't they, Young and Hungry? Yeah, it's a, it's a great show. I really love it. So they're hanging out in that weird... Uh, weird little room with the home entertainment stuff, and they decide to watch Bond. Chuck pretty quickly realizes it, well, a Bond movie. Do you know which, do you, do, have you ever seen that Bond movie? Um, I have not. It's a, a View to Kill is the Bond movie. I actually had to go back and double check to see if that was real, because it sounded like it was a fake James Bond movie. But I guess when you think about it, all James Bond movies kind of sound like they're fake James Bond movies. Yeah. That's fair. Chuck realizes he's in over his head because Laszlo makes comments about how he has disabled every tracking system that would alert anyone where they are. So Chuck's a little freaked out by that. He also gets freaked out because Laszlo really relates to the villain in the Bond movie. Um, he starts acting a little sketchy and reveals that he invented the TV. And he also reveals that there's some kind of like nuclear war training exercise thing in there that he can apparently control from the remote. I don't know why that's in every TV ever, but apparently it is. So watch out what buttons you press, I guess. Well, I think that's just because this, they, like Sarah and Casey have fitted the buy more TV with the spy stuff. So I think he was tapping into the, the government stuff through that. I don't think it's every TV. Okay, but he does it to a car later. So has the car also been tampered with? Yeah, one of the Bymar cars. Yeah. I think so. Oh, okay. I was just thinking it was every TV ever. So, I mean, yours makes more sense. Yeah, mine makes slightly more sense that this man has invented everything that Chuck touches anyhow. He's really smart. You never know. He starts, Laszlo starts to order a nuclear strike on Texas. Yeah. And then changes his mind and decides to go for California. Yeah, he's going for San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco specifically, yes. Uh, very stressful, as I'm sure you can imagine this moment is. And uh, Chuck is able to talk him down, though, and distract him from uh, following through with the uh, blowing up the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, so thank you, Chuck. Um, he convinces Laszlo to watch another Bond movie, and he says he's going to go get popcorn, but everyone under the sun knows that he's just going to go turn his phone back on and see uh, what Sarah and Casey have to say about this. Um, I 
if I were in this situation, you know, I would probably like give them a call. Um, but instead, Chuck decides to check his voicemail and see what they've been saying to him, which is absurd because we hear that he has 34 voice messages and we see him just listening to them. So it seems like if you're like kind of sneaking around trying to like not indicate to the person you're with that you are like contacting the people they told you not to contact, you wouldn't like sit around and check your 34 voice messages. But Chuck does. So, you know, great. Good job. He's he's stressed out. He just narrowly avoided uh, witnessing the destruction of San Francisco. So he's just got to unwind and kind of relax with 34 voicemails. Yep. Sounds fun. Um, he gets some instructions from Sarah right at the end, who tells him to go lock himself in his car. But when he gets into his car, Laszlo's there. Also, Laszlo's handler, who's the guy from the beginning, Sarah and Casey show up, and Laszlo freaks out, um, punches something into the radio of the, like, little smart car that they're in, and, like, a, uh, a steering thing comes out, and it, like, he's, he starts driving it with, with Chuck in the passenger seat. And I really liked the scene. I thought the car chase was pretty cool. Um, something I also noticed is that Laszlo ejects Chuck from the seat of the car. There's like a self-eject button. Um, mm -hmm. He sends Chuck on out of there. And there's a little scene of Chuck in the, uh, in the driver's seat, like skidding down the road. And that was a scene that is repeated in the film Black Panther. So fun. Fun things from Chuck. Um, we have a scene between Sarah and Chuck, which is pretty cute. I specifically wrote Sarah likes Chuck because he's so simple, but I don't think that's what I meant. <laughs> um, we, I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, we get some kind of emotions from Sarah, who's trying to comfort Chuck because Chuck feels like it's his fault that Laszlo got away. But Sarah is kind of saying, like, just because you trust people, like, that's not a bad thing. It, it makes you a good person. It doesn't make you an idiot or, like, bad at this. Um, which I, I thought was nice, and I, I can kind of see some inklings of her feelings towards him, so I liked that. Perhaps she's a little dead inside and a little a little chiseled from her time as a spy, so she is drawn towards Chuck for, uh, for having, I guess, his innocence, perhaps, yeah. is a good word for it? Yeah, that's a good word for it. Sarah is drawn to Chuck's innocence. That sounds really creepy, but... <laughs> it does, a little bit. Like, you just, she appreciates his emotions and that he cares for other people and that he's not thinking like a spy. Yes. There, you, you recovered it. There we go. Um, so another thing that is absurd in this episode is that apparently the, the man from corporate who is coming for the assistant manager interviews is coming. He's not coming on October 30th. He's not coming on November 1st. He is coming on Halloween. So everybody at the Bymore is in costume. And these, like, very important assistant manager interviews are happening while everyone is in costume. Uh, Chuck is the only one who isn't in costume. Harry, who is also interviewing for the job, is dressed as, like, a cowboy. And Big Mike is dressed up. Jeff and Lester are dressed up. Everybody thinks Morgan is dressed up because he's, like, got his adult tucked-in shirt on now. Um, but I thought this was crazy. Why? Why are they doing this on Halloween? That seems like not a good day. Yeah, I agree. I think Halloween should be off limits for serious business discussions. But, you know, I mean, it's just October 31st. It's just another day to to make money. And that's that's all it is. But it seemed it just seems silly that if the guy from corporate was coming, that they would all be dressed up in costume anyway. 
Um, that was not my experience when people from corporate came, but you know, whatever. The buy more can do, I mean, but the LA lifestyle is pretty different. So, you know, that's what happens, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. All of you people in LA smoking your weed oh. and hanging out with your surfboards. <laughs> yep, that's that's exactly, I'm, I'm doing both of those things right now. My uh, principal in middle school would always wear like one of those shirts that was orange and said, this is my costume. And every year, I mean, I guess I only had her for two years, but she wore it every year. What did, uh, what did Mike wear for Halloween? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I want to say he was a vampire. Mm. He was Elvis once. It's hard to tell. Yeah, Mike, I bet you thought you were off the line, buddy. <laughs> I didn't forget about you. Um, Chuck is supposed to have his interview, but he flashes on a drawing that Laszlo gave him, and somehow this connects with the intersect. I don't really know why, but he learns that Laszlo is planning to blow up Santa Monica Pier. So Chuck steals a bike, and he leaves. And I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I did look up the distance by bike from Burbank to Santa Monica Pier. And mm -hmm. it take two hours and 13 minutes. Really? Yeah, so I, I guess it's not crazy, but also it seems like, like, could he have just gotten, like, a cab or something? Like, we have a little scene before Chuck ultimately confronts Laszlo where Harry is saying some disparaging things about Chuck and Morgan's friendship. Chuck, since he has left, like, Harry says that he's not a good friend. He says that he wouldn't be a good assistant manager. He just says, like, kind of some mean stuff. Morgan um, flicks Harry's hat and says that he is going to go and have Chuck's interview on his behalf. And a good line that he says is, the virtues that make for a good buy more manager are the same virtues that make for a best friend. Morgan got some points here, I guess. It, I, I can see what they're going for, that like their friendship is pretty strong and that like Morgan is trying to do like the mature thing, even though he's not a mature person. And it was kind of nice, but I still haven't really forgiven him for all the creepy shit he's done. So there you go. Would you let me interview on your behalf for a job? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I could probably do that. Yeah, would you let me? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I wrote your yeah. recommendation once. So, yeah, you did. You, yeah, you're very generous about those things. I have not been, you have not had me write a recommendation for you, no. but I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, at some point, some point you will. I'll have you do like the, uh, the address, like before I give my keynote, you can do like the introducing me. You know, keynote of what? I don't know, when I'm like ex accepting like a, an award at the Oscars or something. The Oscars? Yeah, you can be the one who comes up and says like, Aaron Arata has been one of my close friends. Like you can just say some nice stuff. That's what you can do. I just have to, All right. I live in LA now. I have to, like you have to be prepared for when you win your Oscar. Right, right. Yeah. I totally understand. Yeah. I got to. I will, yeah, if you need me to. Oh, I think like that would probably be more of like uh, Morgan Freeman, Meryl Streep kind of job to introduce you for like a Lifetime a lifetime Achievement Award at the Oscars. But you're probably like Lifetime achieve Achievement. Why do I keep saying Achievement? <laughs> That's if you're getting a been. Achievement. If you're getting your Lifetime Achievement Award at the Oscars, which I'm assuming is, yes, an Oscar statue made of cheese. That sounds amazing. I would present that to you. Okay. Thank you. You're hired. Speaking of hired, right. uh, the, the interview guy appreciates Morgan's speech, but he says that the job is going to be given to Harry. 
Um, apparently even the HR guy does not like Harry because he says, God help you all, as he's announcing that Harry has gotten the job. <laughs> I don't understand. If everyone hates him, why is he hired? Just don't hire him. He seems like he takes his job really seriously. He's probably a good employee. I don't know. Everyone hates him. Doesn't seem smart. Um, after his tour de France, Chuck makes it to the pier. He finds Laszlo underneath the boardwalk with the smart car, which is apparently a bomb. Chuck asks why Laszlo is doing this, and Laszlo says it's because he is a bad guy and he's going to punish the government for what they did to him. But then there's a twist because he makes a slightly forced Bond reference, and Chuck is like, what? You knew about Bond this whole time? And he's so betrayed. Um, I actually really liked that moment. I thought that was a pretty good twist. Yeah, I, w- I agree that with what you said, that it was slightly forced, because I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, if he's really the bad guy, and he's like, I'm about to blow up the Santa Monica Pier, he's not going to say like, haha, oh, by the way, here's something that tips you off. I don't know. Maybe you would. Maybe it's being cocky. I don't know. But I, I did like, I liked it as a twist. Um, he kind of, Laszlo is kind of going crazy and demands that if Chuck wants to like stop the bomb, he has to cut the red wire. Chuck realizes based on the Bond thing that he's been too trusting of Laszlo, so he cuts the green wire instead, which was a bold move, but it pays off and he defuses the bomb. Yeah, ooh, smart thinking. It was, uh, that was pretty confident to be like, oh, I guess if he lied to me in this one aspect, then he must also be lying in this aspect, which is a logical fallacy and not the case. However, he lucked out in this situation. So would, have, would the bomb have just gone off and killed everyone there? Like, was Laszlo intending to die also? Yeah, that's, I guess, what it seemed like. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Not a, not a great guy. Yeah, No, he's not great. But he's out of here. In typical Chuck fashion, he's gone. So we don't have to worry about him. Um, we next have a, a lovely little montage where Chuck is running while the song Dice by Finley Quay is playing. And Morgan is sitting alone with this really, like, gross, phallic-looking worm costume. This This scene is, like, cutting between them in a kind of, like, implying a like romantic connection like kind of um and it's apparently parodying a scene from the oc which i need to get back into i guess but um it's supposed to be like a play on that and i really loved the scene i was laughing so hard i liked all the dramatic cuts and pauses and morgan looking dramatically uh, into the distance, and it almost made me kind of like him. So it was doing something right. I did. Uh, I also thought that was amusing with the... I was like, oh, it's kind of like they're setting it up for Chuck to have a romantic scene with Sarah, but he's not going towards Sarah. He's going towards Morgan. Uh, Chuck finds out what Morgan did for him at the Bymore, and even though it didn't work out, he tells Morgan that he can be the head of the worm. The worm is really gross-looking and weird, but everyone at the party really likes it. Ellie interrupts their worm dance and asks Chuck how the interview went. And Chuck tells her he didn't get the job, which, like, is fine. That's true. But then he goes on and says that he um, he skipped out on the interview, which I don't know why he told her that. Like, I get he's an honest person and they're trying to have an honest relationship. But I think, like, he could have just left it at that. Um, yeah, I didn't get the job. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Like, leave it at that. But Sarah shows up and says that... Um, Chuck skipped out on the interview so he could help her with a personal emergency, which is, I'm glad that everyone takes it really well, but based on the fact that, like, Chuck has ditched a lot of family events and also lost a job because of her, I'm surprised the Bartowskis don't just hate her. 
maybe they do behind their backs. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of like, a, oh, can you believe what he's doing? I don't know. She's a train wreck. She's uh, she works at the Wienerlicious, so. She's the manager of the Wienerlicious, or no, sorry, she's not the manager. She works at the Wienerlicious yes. and hired someone to manage her. Yeah. Um, Morgan says Chuck can have ten minutes to go off with Sarah, and she and him, she and Chuck take a picture together, like a real picture, which is nice. Um, then definitely less than 10 minutes, probably more like 30 seconds later, Morgan shows up because everyone is chanting for them to do the worm dance. And we get a nice little callback to the sandwich stuff um, from earlier in the episode when Chuck knows that Casey is listening. So he tells Morgan that Sarah said she'd bring roast beef uh, with her to a deserted island. And then they start like having a little debate about sandwiches. And then we cut to Casey listening and eating like spam out of a can or something. And that's the end of the episode. It was great. Hooray. Hooray. Um, I have an important question for you. Yes. What sandwich would you bring to a deserted island? Like a real sandwich, not Morgan's philosophical sandwich. Oh, what does he say? Well, he's like, well, can I put anything in between? Two pieces of bread and call it a sandwich. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess if you if you want to do that, a good turkey sandwich is always good. But I would get sick of turkey very quickly on a desert island. So maybe like buffalo chicken. Ooh, that sounds really good. With um, lettuce and tomato and perhaps some some uh, some ranch dressing. That's all right. That's a pretty good choice. What about you? I think we have to assume based on like Chuck is all saying that mayonnaise would not keep on an island, but I'm going to have to assume that whatever sandwich we pick is just going to be like sustainable. Sure. Um, I might kind of like an ice cream sandwich, you know, that would be Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Has sandwich in the name, so you can't say it's not a sandwich. Uh Um, I am pretty partial to egg salad, but um, I think I would get sick of it. So I'm going to stick with ice cream sandwich. Yeah, you'd probably get like a protein deficiency, but it would be fun. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not on the island for too long. We'll see. Hopefully. I have to say, it has gotten, your room has gotten very dark since we've been recording. Yeah, uh, the sun is going down. That's a thing that it does. Even in California? Oh, no, I told you the secret. I thought it was always sunny there. No, that you're thinking of Philadelphia. Ah. High five. High five. I'm not going to high five that. Uh, and on that note, I think it's time that we take a break and assess why Aaron's room is so dark, and then we'll be right back with the final act of episode six of Go Chuck Yourself! Woo! Do the worm! By the worm, I mean the wave! Woo! We'll be right back! Episode six, Chuck versus the Sandworm. We just recapped that episode. Aaron did a, a lovely job really summing up. There's a lot that happened in that episode, and I think that Aaron did a great job of summarizing it for all of our listening ple- pleasure. So thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, you're welcome. Um, Is, are you practicing introducing me for my award? Is that what you're going to say? The woman that is about to come out on the stage has dedicated her life to the lifelong goal of advancing cheese in today's world. 
and she has done this with grace and elegance. And so the Lifetime Achievement Award this year goes to none other than Mike. <gasps> Mike, what an upset. What an upset. I bet Mike would probably try to eat his Achievement Award. I think so. I mean, what else are you going to do with it? You got to eat it. It's cheese. Or refrigerate it, probably. Freeze it, maybe. You don't freeze cheese. How dare you tell me what to do with my cheese? I don't know what you people do in California, but here in New York, we freeze our cheese. I don't think that's true. Yeah. All right. Some people call it the Big Apple. I call it the Big Cheese Freezer. <laughs> Is it possible for iTunes to cancel podcasts? Because I feel like they're going to cancel us. What I will introduce Erin for at this moment is not the Achievement Award, but her segment called Interesting Information. (laughs) We have a limited amount of time because Erin is now coughing, presumably choking to death. So in her final moments with us, we will share some interesting information with us. And she's actually fallen off the screen. I can't see her. Okay, now she's back. I just punched myself in the throat. (coughs) Can you do that again? Hello, everyone. The next segment on our show is called Interesting Information with Erin Rowana. Sorry, one more time. The next seg- segment of our show is called Interesting Information with Erin Rowana, who can breathe fully through her throat. <laughs> I can breathe fully through my throat. I just punched myself in the throat with my, uh, with my poo bear, so he finally got his revenge. But I do have some interesting information for you all. Since moving to LA, I've seen a lot of apartments that look, you know, a little familiar. There's one in the grocery store that looks so much like Chuck's Courtyard that I had to stop and do a double take the first time I walked by it. Uh-huh. I also had to stop because every time I walk by that apartment, a man in a Speedo rushes out at me and he scares me. But I decided to look into the actual filming location. Ostensibly, Chuck lives in Echo Park. But for the pilot, the creators talked about wanting an old Echo Park slash Hollywood feel. So the pilot was filmed in a famous old Hollywood building called El Cabrillo, which was built by Cecil B. DeMille. Oh. That's a fun fact. That is a fun fact. The pilot used a bunch of the units there and obviously the courtyard, which is kind of one of the Chuck location standards. And then they built a set at the Warner Brothers lot for the rest of the show. Uh, um, I looked it up, and a one-bedroom in the uh, El Carrillo costs uh, 795000 So we do whoa, know... Whoa, 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 what? $795,000 for a one-bedroom. We know Chuck's salary, so we have to assume that Ellie and Devin are pulling the weight to pay for this. But they're probably renting, right? I mean, they probably don't own. I don't know. Also, there's is there's, um, not a one-bedroom, though. They would have at least two bedrooms. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know how much theirs is going to cost, but, you know, pretty expensive. That's, uh, if you want to live the Chuck lifestyle, that's, how, that's where you got to fork out. Sorry. I do want to live the Chuck lifestyle, so I will gladly fork out at least $800,000 to live in that apartment. Um, something I really liked is that there is a section on this apartment has its own Wikipedia page, which talks a little bit about its history and like famous Hollywood people who have lived there and some like notorieties that it has. But there is a specific section on its Wikipedia about how Chuck was filmed there. So I like that. Um, it was 
a little bit diminished because right after that, there is a little note about the other show that was filmed there, which was Stalker, starring Dylan McDermott. Everyone's favorite star. Everyone's favorite stalker. I What is stalker? I, Who is Dylan McDermott? Uh, he was in Leverage. What is Leverage? <laughs> I don't know. It's on TNT. It's uh, also Young and Hungry is on TNT. You know? You gotta... Oh, the two lawyers. Yep, the two lawyers. Not Young and Hungry that's on Freeform, which is about a, a nanny or something. Young and Hungry with the two lawyers. TNT knows drama. <laughs> is it... It's young and hungry. It's about two maids, right? Like two independent women who work as maids and they have different cultural backgrounds and it's young and, and hungry. Like one's Hungarian and one is uh, perhaps of Asian descent. Mm-hmm. And they work yeah. together to clean apartments and it's kind of like they go through their lives and kind of... Yeah, that's, the little, that's the freeform show. The little ups and downs. Young yeah. and hungry. Not to be confused with the young and hungry lawyers. Yeah. They're, okay. they're different. It's spelled differently, also. So that's how you know it's different. Right. That um was that the end of interesting information. Yeah, that's the end. That was, I think, the most in- interesting information that we've had thus far. And interesting information. Oh, that's not true. I think a lot of it's really interesting. But that was very interesting. So you've set the bar very high for your interesting information in California. So I All hope right. you keep it up for the duration of your time in California. I will try. Um. The next segment of our program this evening, or whenever you choose to listen, is called Chuck Mary Kill, where we identify one element of the show that we love so much that we want to marry it, and another part of this episode that we would like to kill. Um, as, a, as we need to do every week, I have to put out a disclaimer that I was going to marry anything in the show. And Mary Sarah, that's obvious. I mean, she wasn't really present in this episode, but she's always present in my heart. So I, I carry her with me wherever I go. And for that reason, I would I'd gladly marry her and uh, commit my life to her. However, that's not what this segment is about. And instead, I will have a jokey thing that I would like to marry. Um, what would you like to marry in this episode, Aaron? So there's a line that um, when Chuck is telling Ellie and Devin about his interview, uh, Devin says, Chuck, that is, and there's this pause, and you think he's going to say awesome because he says awesome, but instead he says outstanding. So Chuck is uh, subverting expectations since 2007, and I thought it was very funny, and I enjoyed it a lot. So I'd marry that. Cool. My, my, uh, my marry this week is also a joke line. I thought this episode was really funny. It was. It was an interesting blend of being really funny and then also kind of scary at points. But, uh, you know, with all the, the pirate skeletons and whatnot. Yeah. It's like real Halloween. Yes. I really enjoyed Casey in this particular episode. I thought Casey had a lot of funny lines, even though he didn't have a ton of screen time. Um, it was funny getting to see his apartment and kind of what he does in his downtime, which is sit in a bathrobe and listen to what Chuck does all day, which I think is very funny. Um, yeah. I really liked the line that he said about, that he was frustrated that he's not being kept in the loop about what's going on with Chuck, and he referred to himself as being Team Chuck's fat kid, yep. uh, which I thought was very funny. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. But then the line that I laughed harder at was when Chuck is finding out that Casey listens to him in his bug's apartment, and Chuck's like, I don't know, I just feel like you violated my intimacy. 
And then Casey says something to the effect of, oh, intimacy is not an issue, or not at least intimacy in the traditional two-person sense. I laughed very hard at that. So sometimes, I know before I've been pretty mad at Casey, he's had a pretty negative attitude, but this time around, pretty funny. Um, What would you like to kill this time around? All right, so uh, here we're going to get into some more Morgan stuff. Um, I would pretty much kill all of his nice guy slash nerd slash womanizing behavior because it straight up sucks. Um, The show is really pushing their friendship so hard, and I got really affected by the final scene, but I really wish that Morgan's immaturity and, like, his sense of humor and what uh, the show pushes him as, like, a funny, awkward character. I wish it was a little less steeped in, like, being creepy towards women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is something to be said about growth and, like, nerdy men and the toxic culture there. And, like, I do like that uh, Chuck is kind of confronting Morgan. But I don't know. I want to give I want to give the show credit where credit is due, but I don't know if they're really trying to say that like nerdy men like Morgan inherently suck or anything like that. I think we are kind of supposed to sympathize with him to some degree and just by virtue of him being like the main character's best friend who's kind of like a little awkward nerdy pet. Um I I don't I don't love it. I wish that his immaturity was like him like being bad at being an adult and less about him like being creepy towards Ellie and the women in the store and stuff. Um, So I would kill that and I would also kill the hat that he's wearing at the pier because it gave me flashbacks to my hats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I do think somewhere, I don't know, at some point in the series, I don't know at what point that happens, but I think Morgan kind of becomes a little bit more mature and less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, well, my, my kill for this week was not as deep or as awful as that. I was just kind of fed up with, I think Laszlo was a very good villain. I think he's probably the best villain that we've encountered so far. And the fact that he felt very fleshed out and he felt like he had real motivations and he believed his motivations for doing what he wanted to do. Um, and also the, him identifying with Chuck and the similarities and parallels between them, I thought was good. Um, I think he felt like an actually scary villain. Like you're concerned that he's actually going to cause damage and he seems capable of doing that. Um, so he was a, a good villain in that sense. I think the one part that uh, I was a little frustrated with was how he, the joke that he has made everything. I guess it's just a joke. that would be like, oh, well, like I made this, I made that. Maybe it's supposed to be over the top and absurd like how many things he's invented. But I was like, he, there's really... Like, maybe, I guess he's been in a bunker and he keeps building stuff, but the fact that he not only built the stuff, but also remembers everything that he built and remembers exactly how to use it and knows where everything is, I was kind of like, yeah, this is a little far-fetched. So I wasn't I wasn't having that, and I thought it was kind of annoying, but... Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. You don't have to worry about him. Nope. He's gone. So then... In summary, in conclusion, now we must decide whether or not this episode of Chuck holds up 11 years after the fact. I thought um, I'm going to continue to be a little bit overly optimistic and say yes, although this time I do have a little caveat. 
I was, if this is unclear, uh, really made uncomfortable by a lot of the Morgan stuff. And I don't think, um, as I was saying, that a lot of that would fly today. Mm -hmm. That being said, I did like the plotline with Laszlo. I thought that even though he was just another, um, like, villain of the week, which is kind of the the Chuck standard, um, I thought it was really smart to use him to show a lot of different facets of Chuck's personality. We get to see that he's super trusting and that there are like fault lines in his relationships with the government agents. And we're seeing him start to question what having the intersect means long-term. So I liked that. I also thought as usual, the action was pretty good and the acting was really good. Um, like Chuck's, Chuck was good, Morgan was good, like Laszlo was decent, like, Everybody we saw on screen, I was pretty engaged. And even though not everybody got a ton of screen time, I thought that we still, like, we got some nice moments with Casey. We got some nice moments with Sarah. So I was, yeah, I thought I thought they did a good job, and I would keep watching for now. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I think you said just about anything that I was going to say. Uh, I think it was funny, and I think even though Sarah and Casey were not as present in it as they have been in previous episodes. I think where they were in it, it was effective and good. Uh, I thought the twists and the turns of this particular episode were good. I did not really remember this episode or see it coming. So I was surprised by everything that went down. Um, thought it was really funny at points. Thought it was very uh, suspenseful at other points. So overall, I give it a thumbs up. think it holds up. Great. Minus all the creepy sexist stuff. But other than that, give it a, give it a thumbs up. Cool. So, um, well, I guess this is this has been our Halloween episode, and we haven't really done anything Halloween-ish. So, do you have any Halloween things you'd like to conclude with? My my toilet just started making a very spooky noise. So, getting in the spirit. Cool. Um, I hope uh, you know you guys. Uh, you guys are safe out there. You got you got your toilet paper. You got your eggs. You got your uh, you know your stuff. You're going out. You're gonna get crazy. Um, you know, just don't do anything I wouldn't do and, uh, call, call, call your family members. Um, watch out for Michael Myers, watch out for Mike Myers as well. Like he's scary too sometimes. Um, yeah, have, have a very happy Halloween. Have a, have a nice, safe Halloween. And thanks for listening to go check yourself. As always, I've been Chris Gillespie. Food is sexy. And I've been Aaron Scarada saying anything is possible. I'm glad that we were able to make this episode the equivalent of a buy more that has a few skeletons hanging in the background. Me too. Like that. That's the Halloween presence that we were able to sum up. Yep. All right. Till next week. Take care. Don't say sexy. I wasn't going to. Bye bye. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.